This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. by the Saints for a touchdown! Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Inside Black and Gold, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak getting ready for week eight. Is it really week eight? I feel aged beyond my years watching this three and four football team as they trudge into a matchup against another three and four ball club at Indianapolis. It hasn't been pretty football, Jeff. And I think we were, we kind of talked a a little bit about it before getting on the pod, like being home this weekend too. We saw a lot of other teams play bad football as well. Yeah. And and I know people don't want to hear it because the saints have been among the worst of the bad over the last four or five weeks, right? With the Patriots game, notwithstanding. Like if you eliminate the Patriots game, the last four games have been fugly. But, you know, you look at teams like the Bills, you know, like the Bills, I, I think they're in worse shape than the Saints considering they have their quarterback and the Chargers, for example. Like they have the quarterback and no one's questioning whether he's the guy. But so so what's going on? Right. So we'll get into that in the final segment. I want to kind of reset. We did it a couple of weeks ago. And I think, you know, it's a good it's also it's another good opportunity to kind of reset um, in terms of when we talked about it two weeks ago. they you know, they, they, it was like, oh, well, they should have a good chance to beat the Texans and Jaguars. And, uh, so they didn't do that. So now we are we are looking at, OK, how 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 do you get to 10 wins now? You know, so I think that's kind of where you look at the, yeah, the last, sure. you know, the final 10 games and you say, OK, where where are the losses? Where can they afford to lose a game and where do they have to win uh, in order to get to 10 game 10 wins? And so we'll we'll kind of go through that. Look at the last 10 weeks of schedule. And sec- the second segment I want to dive into is Derek Carr the problem? Like, like seriously, let's look at it. Michael Thomas is out there sending tweets, throwing his quarterback under the bus, whether he did it, they did that intentionally or not. That's what, that's what it was. Um, and so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what really happened on that play that everyone keeps talking about and kind of, 
you know, why has Derek Carr seemingly just not been who has advertised? You know, what, what are we looking at? So we're going to dive into that in the second segment because there's a lot to talk about there. But in the first segment, I want to kind of catch up with Dennis Allen talked on Monday. A, anyone who, you know, has been paying attention probably isn't surprised by the fact that he came out today and said, uh, no, they will not be making any staff changes. And if they change their mind, they'll let us know, which is fantastic. Thanks, DA. I was worried that you might fire somebody and not tell anyone. And we'd have to figure it out based on who's standing there holding a clipboard. But, you know, so it shouldn't surprise anyone. But, hey, maybe, maybe uh, you know, you thought, oh, well, there's a 10-day break like I did. And you'd be like, oh, this is a perfect opportunity to maybe make some changes. You had Robert, Robert, Ronald Curry standing up in the locker room at halftime against the Jags and making a speech to the team, which doesn't usually happen. So maybe that's uh, a sign of, you know, frustration on his part. But if, if you thought that was going to be the, the nail in the coffin of Pete Carmichael, you are incorrect. He is eternal. And the Saints are not planning on making any changes. And that's, you know, to a certain extent, I understand it because, again, like I said before, like this is a pass-fail class, I think, for this coaching staff. And if you can't figure it out with the people in the building, then you're probably going to get fired anyway. So you might as well just, ride, you know, ride it out. Like, I don't know. And, and, and again, like we talked about this, like Ronald Curry is in this offense already. It's not like the offense is going to change because he gets the he gets, you know, the clipboard in his hand and the play sheet in his hand. But, you know, you maybe it sparks things. But either way, it looks like we're going to get more of the same in terms of Pete Carmichael leading this offense. And, you know, who knows, maybe maybe uh, defies logic and they'll be able to get things going. But not 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 particularly <laughs> inspiring. Let's put it that way. It's so darn frustrating because it wasn't supposed to be like this. Um, you know, they, they made the big move to bring a, a quarterback in. There was, I guess, some concerns over the Derek Carr signing when it happened. It doesn't look like it's working out. We're, we're just, you want to say just seven games into the season, but it's a pretty good sample size at this point. I don't know what, what you're waiting on, you know, you want to, we, we talk about communication, 24, execution. Games, right? 24 games with Dennis Allen and P Carmichael. It's not like this is small. That's not a small sample size. That's, that's a pretty solid sample size. In my opinion. No. And yeah, the, that's the problem too. It's like the offense doesn't look really any different from a year ago. Uh, I, I think it looks worse if we're being honest. I don't see, yeah, I mean, because you would expect it to be more, more effective in terms of at least, you know, the players in it, independent of Derek Carr have all been in it. Like, it's not like this is a team settling into a new offense. If you had changed the play, that's my problem with the whole growing pains line. If you had changed the play call and you had made changes independent of the quarterback, that should be, you know, at least somewhat in line with what you would, you know, those should be above replacement level, right? Then you can understand some of these issues, but it's not, it's the same coaching staff. It's the same scheme, the same receivers, same running backs. But mostly, at least from what we've seen thus far, right? Like the this last game, it was basically all Alan Kamara for a few reasons that we'll get to in a second. But yeah, so here's here's what Dennis Allen actually said beyond, you know, obviously he said, no, they won't be making changes. But he was also asked, you know, what he thinks about the people in the building. And then also, you know, whether growing pain should be out of the question at this point. Um, and so here here's that. No, no, um, no. We'll, um, you know, if we decide to make some changes, we'll let you know. But do you find that it's easier to make the adjustments with the same group instead of adding new variables and, and things? 
Well, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you get in the middle of the season and, and you know, there's generally not a lot of people from outside your building that are coming in that are going to make, you know, significant changes. So um, we've got our guys and, and um, we're going to be hard at work at trying to fix some issues. Like little elves. Like little Keebler elves. <laughs> he was also asked about, so he keeps saying, you know, the growing pains, the growing pains line. And so I think... <sighs> Like, I don't think this team is going to make significant changes. I think you're just going to ride it out, you know, as, as frustrating as that sounds. But he did say this, which I think you're kind of getting closer to that, uh, you know, lane or, or he says, I think it's time for those to be done with in terms of growing pains. And then he's asked, OK, what's so what if they're not? What if you continue to see this? And he says, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And I, it's not exactly, you know inspiring to hear but it does sound like they're getting close to making at least personnel changes at least changes for what's happening on the field um and i don't know how many of those you can make i do think there are some concerns in terms of of the the attitude of some of the players some of the skill position players I don't think that's the biggest issue this team has, but it's definitely there. Like that's that's one of my issues is there's this idea that it's either one thing or another thing, right? That that like there's one major problem and you fix that and suddenly everything is better. It would be so much easier if that was the case, but there are levels, right? Like Chris Olave is route running in terms of, you know, going 100% on all of his routes is an issue. Is it the biggest issue? Probably not, but it is an issue. Like it's not like he's right or Derek's wrong. They're both in the wrong in some respect. Um, and we'll get into that more in the next segment, but like, there's a, there's a lot to fix. And that's why earlier in the year, you know, I, I don't think changing the play call is going to solve all the problems of this offense. I think it is, it is performative to some extent. I just think the performance is necessary at a certain point. And, you know, you just kind of got to, you got to get to prove you're serious about winning in my opinion. And I don't think they've done that yet, but yeah, there's so many things on this offense that haven't gone right, that you're just trying to find you know, the root cause. And unfortunately, I think there's too many root causes to fix in one fell swoop of saying, oh, get rid of this guy. Suddenly it's fixed. I don't I don't know. No, it's curious because you I think the last time we were mentioning that, that, you know, you want to try and change some things to find out what the exact issue is. You know, So you got to change one variable. Right. right. So is it going to be the play caller first or is it going to be the quarterback? Yeah. Because- like, uh, yeah. From a. From a problem-solving perspective, we all took algebra, right? Um, you know, like there's variables, and you got to figure out which you know, got to kind of tinker and change variables, and figure out what works and what doesn't, right? We talked about the. Oh, you're, you're having nightmares about your algebra days. I'm just thinking of suddenly now we've put like you know putting math equations into our our uh, a football podcast. Yeah, x equals right, um, right. drops. Uh, anyway, but. Yeah, so like they've gotten more out of Taysom Hill, right? And like the variables, you put Taysom Hill into the equation and suddenly he runs faster than Juwan Johnson. And so your timing on certain plays is, is wrong. And and then you kind of look at it. Uh, but, you know, there's... <sighs> you bring Jamal Williams back. Right? You bring Kendra Miller into the into the mix. But how much does that improve your offense? Like some people complaining like, okay, so here, here's a couple bits and news, right? So the Saints, Dennis Allen said today that Kendra Miller aggravated his shoulder in the pregame. So he was limited in that game. So that's why he only got three snaps, right? What, what are we doing pregame that dudes are getting hurt? I don't know, but it's unfortunate. Jamal Williams 
was on a pitch count, which isn't a surprise. Like we should, they're not going to tell you that in advance because why would that, that, that doesn't benefit them to tell you that Jamal Williams is only going to get X number of snaps, but he was on a pitch count. Dennis Allen confirmed that today. So losing Kendra Miller in the pregame meant the the majority of the action was going to go to Alvin Kamara. And I don't, and I saw, I had one person, at least one person say like, well, why didn't they do something else? And why didn't they incorporate Chris Lave more into the backfield and get Taysom Hill more action at the running back position? And, because I don't think that would have solved. I don't think less Alvin would have been the solution in that game, right? You had ten days off after the game. Sure, Alvin was probably tired at the end of it, but I don't think that having him on the field was the problem. But it's just like these are variables, right? You don't know how things would have looked if you had a full allotment of Jamal. I think Jamal didn't look particularly good in general. You know, hopefully it's just a rust thing, and he can shake some of that off. But it's like there's just so many moving parts that it's hard to identify what will solve problems. Uh, I thought the penalties were, weren't as big of an issue in that game. There was one bad pass interference. I know they had one holding penalty, but this is a team that leads the NFL in penalty yardage against, or at least they did going into week seven. I haven't double checked to see if where they stand now, but they going into that week, they led the NFL in penalty yardage against and holding penalties. And I think they had one of each. So uh, in terms of, in terms of a long pass interference penalty and a holding penalty, but I think that would be below their average because they had 10 penalty, holding penalties going into that game, which is more than one per game, obviously. Which is, you know, more math if you want to do that. So I, I don't know. It's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and like paint a rosy picture because I don't think that it is a rosy picture. I think that this is this team is getting really close to falling. You know, I think that you're very close to this t- season going down the tubes, and you know, it's it's a very feels like a very keep doing what you're doing type situation, right? And I don't know. It's, it feels rudderless. No, you, and when you mentioned to the, you know, Jamal Williams being back didn't look like, you know, he didn't look comfortable at all, right? And didn't look like it was solving any problems. Let's put it that way. <laughs> he's just someone too. I've been waiting to see how he's going to mesh with this offense because we really just haven't seen him. I haven't seen Jamal Williams do his thing. I guess you could say, and he came into the year. And the one thing I thought was was key from him was talking about how everyone thinks they know, you know, what kind of who I am, what kind of running back I am. I can't wait to show you. And I'm still waiting to see it right now. <laughs> I, Mr. Pokemon needs to evolve or, or whatever it is. <laughs> That's yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like going in. Yeah. You heard. OK, I'm going to I'm going to show you the running back that I am, whatever. Right now, I'd settle for a good short yardage running back. Like that's all I need, because I don't think they have one right now outside no, of Taysom right. Hill <laughs> and Colin Saunders being that fullback, which I think is. I mean, I think that's a good thing to have. I think that'll help them down the road in terms of you know you, you want to play smash mouth fo- smash mouth football on the goal line, and that's a way you can do it. You know, if you don't need a if you don't need a fullback, saves your roster spot, right? 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 So Sa- Saunders has been getting a ton of love through national media, even everywhere. He should. Good for him. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. The other news that came out of today, you know, if you want to call it news, there is optimism that Juwan Johnson will play this week. Take that for what it is. I'm not sure. I mean, calf injury that keeps you out a month that didn't, you didn't think was going to keep you out of even the game or you injured yourself prior to it. Very strange to me, but hopefully he gets back because, you know, I do think that he is a piece in this offense, right? Like, if Jawan Johnson is healthy and in that game, is he the one you're throwing to at the back of the end zone? 
a guy with, 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 I would argue, more reliable hands than Foster Morrow? Maybe, right? If Taysom Hill, you know, if, if he's in there, is he the one that you're trying to hit on that out? Probably, right? And so, I, I, like, I, you can't say that he they, hasn't been in, like, he yeah. wasn't used when he was healthy, so I don't know why it would change now, but they have been trying to incorporate the tight end position more in the last few weeks, and they haven't had Juwan. So maybe, maybe that's something that you can unlock in the middle of the field with a more reliable pass catcher than Taysom Hill. Uh, so, hey, maybe that's something. There's many hoodats, including ESPN Stan Verrett, who was on with Deuce and Haas. And they're, they're, there's people looking for still Jimmy Graham. They want to know where he's at, too. Yeah, I mean, I've given up in terms of if they're not going to use Jimmy Graham the last two weeks, why would they start using him now? If, like, if you're not going to use him when Jawan's not out there, why would you start using him now that he's back? Right? You, How many games do you have? Like, I can't remember prior to this game – you know, maybe, you know, what, what was the last game that ended with, you know, down a touchdown in the red zone or at least close to the red zone? They're at the 24 yard line against the uh, against the Texans, like in terms of just four shots at the end zone that failed. Right. Like prior to that, when, when was the last time that happened? Like it doesn't happen that often, at least not in that exact scenario where it's like, OK, no time isn't really a factor. Right. You have a timeout. You have all the che- like you're just taking your best shot at the end zone, and it has happened in back to back weeks. Like it wasn't like they got bogged down at midfield. Like I remember, like the Bengals game last year is kind of a similar example, but they never got past midfield. Like these were both instances where you got down the field, and all you needed to do was have that drive end in the in the end zone to tie the game and give yourself a shot in overtime, and and you failed all eight times. <laughs> <laughs> and like that, that scenario doesn't come up that often. It's come up in back-to-back weeks. And and the guy that you brought in specifically to be a red zone target hasn't been involved. So if you're not going to use him then, when? So I I don't know. I've given up on on the idea that maybe there's a Jimmy Graham option here. And I wouldn't be surprised if when you bring Juwan back, he gets cut or he's 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 inactive at the very least. Because what is he really providing? Absolutely z- zero, nada. Right, literally. I mean, well, he's been blocking. He has been on the field. He has served a yeah, role. But, right. But in the passing game specifically, nothing. And if you're an opposing team, why are you even guarding him? It, it's just uh, wild to think that we're you know you know seven games in, he's gotten two targets and one was a catch for a touchdown. <laughs> In the red zone, right? One of your few touchdowns in the red zone went to him. Uh, yeah, so it, it's just odd, and we'll make sure you know, scratch your head, kind of things. Obviously, I'm not saying I'm an NFL play caller here, but it just seems like common sense. See, again, I, I don't like. I'm not even sure if it would have worked if they had tried it, but like, I wish I could sit here and say, yeah, they tried it, and it didn't work. Like, so I know it didn't work. You're running fades to the end zone anyway. And you're throwing him to Chris Olave, a guy who is a very good wide receiver, but I would not argue was a guy I think is is at his best when he's trying to fight with somebody. Like he's gotten better at contested catches, but I would not in any world say that he is an elite contested catch player. No, I'd have like, to go to look, throw throw it to Graham or, or freaking Mike T at least. Well, they did try to throw to Mike. Like they yeah, have been tr- right. like th- like they have been trying to incorporate Mike, but not over the middle of the field. It's been the edges of the field. Why? I don't know. Um, like, have you seen a whole lot of slants? Because I haven't. 
No, which is crazy considering, you know, the whole big fight between him and CJ Gardner Johnson was supposedly over the the Slant Boy nickname. And we haven't awesome. seen Slant Boy at all. We'd be we'd die for Slant Boy right now. Yeah. I would they would be so much better off if they if if he was playing right into that nickname, but for whatever reason, they're not. And I don't know how much of that is on Pete. I don't know how much of that is on Derek. But let's let's wrap this segment up. We can get into more of the Derek Car trash. Yeah. <laughs> in the next segment. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot to complain about. And we're we're gonna dive into it. Um, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. This fun rosy podcast is brought to you by my state of mind, which is bleak. All right, y'all. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Check us out on YouTube at WWL Sports. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at WWL. I'm sorry. No, that's not right. At Saints underscore pod. And if you listen to these on Apple and you haven't subscribed, you haven't give us a rating or a review. Tell us what you think. Would very much appreciate it if you do that. Um, as always, just appreciate all the feedback. It helps us get better at our podcast. So anytime we see those, I check at least once a week to see if there's any new ones on there. Um, make sure to do that. Otherwise, keep listening because we will be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're going to spend the next 15 minutes just complaining about Derek Carr because I think he earned it. Um, yes. and But like in part because, you know, we, we talked about this last episode and, and one of the reasons that, you know, and you said you understood the frustration coming off the field. And I understand the level of frustration that goes into a football game when things aren't going right and you're angry, whatever. There's a level to which you can you can express that and and like if you're Peyton Manning, you're Tom Brady, whatever, you're goat, you're the goat, you know, you've won t- Super Bowls and you know, you're you're typically in going to be the one that's doing the right thing and playing really well and then so guys let you down and you and you tell them about it, right? When you're playing the way Derek Carr has played over the first 7 weeks of the season, don't do that. Don't act like the only problem is that someone's not running his route the, re- the exact right way because you're part of the problem. Anyway, and so, like, you come off the field, and one of the reasons, like, like one of the reasons you can't do that, is because you know, you know why everyone has spent the past four or five days dissecting and dissecting and dissecting one play, one play, one unsuccessful play that otherwise it wasn't even like the final drive; it was like an early drive in the fourth quarter. But the reason everyone's talking about one play, not even the pick six that you threw is because you threw a temper tantrum coming off the field. And now that is 
a flashbulb moment for this offense's dysfunction. And so you have you have internet sleuths and all the all the breakdown people looking at it and saying, well, what was supposed to happen? This is the play. It's supposed to go to the out. Why did he throw it 10 yards into the into the bench? Why did Ugo Amati catch this pass? And then he comes off yelling at Chris Olave, right? And so, you know, we've heard basically input from everybody. So why not me? And so there are a few questions, right? One is, was he throwing to Chris Olave? And I think what we have heard from Dennis Allen, what we have heard from Mike Thomas, which we're going to get to in a second, uh, Deuce McAllister said this too, you know, that play is designed to go to the out. Right, That play is designed for Chris Olave to clear up field and the out to come in underneath it. It was tighter than it should have been because Chris Olave didn't run the route the way it was supposed to be run in terms of going 100% the entire way through. Now, should he have still thrown the ball to the out, Derek? Probably. But the bigger issue is that he didn't go through his progression at all. And people are saying, well, why did he decide to throw it to Chris? I don't think he decided to throw it to Chris. I think what happened, which is a disturbing trend and also happened against the Texans, is... A play got screwed up, and rather than continuing on and being a quarterback, Derek Carr got frustrated and threw the ball out of bounds, 10 yards out of bounds. And people are like, well, why are you buying this idea that he threw the ball away? Because it's pretty obvious. He just reared back and threw it as far as he could out of bounds. But you have to make it at least convincing, right? Like what he did against the Texans, when I think it was Mike Thomas who he had a miscommunication with, he just chucked the ball to nobody and got a grounding penalty. The right. same thing happened on this play. The difference is you have to make it convincing that you are throwing to somebody so that you don't get a grounding penalty. So this time, instead of just dumping it into the turf and taking that penalty, threw it out of bounds. So like, I think he did that. And Dennis Allen said he threw it away. And here, let's look at Mike Thomas. because, And I need to express that this is not normal to have a wide receiver going on social media and effectively throwing his quarterback under the bus because Roasting. that's what happened. So, and, and I think this is a little confusing if you're, you know, there's a few things that might be confusing to people. So let's read it. Exactly. He's replying to a Nick Underhill tweet basically that says, Chris Olave is not an option on that play. If his, if his defender falls down and he's standing alone, right. maybe, but otherwise he's not even a check on that play because Mike Thomas agrees with that and says his only job is to collision the outside shoulder of the defender, which basically means, you know, I think Dennis Allen referred to it as a bus ticket release or a must outside release. Like the only thing you can do wrong is get to the inside shoulder and obviously stop running, which is <laughs> what a lot of it did. But, you know, his job there is to get to the outside shoulder and carry that guy upfield. Like he is not a check. You know, he says he's never even the throw. He's not even an alert. It's if they're playing a certain coverage, like in certain instances, you'd be like, okay, that's the alert. Rashid Shahid has that on several on several route concepts where if they're playing a certain coverage, he's the alert and you go there, even though that's not where the initial progression was. That's not the case on this play. Chris Olave is only a clear out. So Derek's not going there with the ball. He's throwing the ball away because he is frustrated at his young wide receiver for doing again what we have seen and complained about, which is him not going 100% on the clear out. So, and Mike, it concedes that point here and says the only advice I would give him is to take the ball and no Taysom runs fast. So he has to run even faster to clear it out. Right. So that is Mike saying, yes, Chris did not go full speed on this route, which is, you know, obviously that's a mistake, but it's, it's not a bad enough mistake that you should be dumping the play on third down and going into a tirade against your wide receiver. So, and, and the, what, what the part where he throws Derek under the bus here, he says the progression is seven, 22, 13. 
and the important part is eyes only went to seven, right? So I think Derek Carr was keyholing the out, right? And by that, I mean, he's only, that's the only place he's looking is the out. And he sees the, the clear out not being run correctly and he throws it out of bounds. Now, like you can say he should have made that throw to Taysom, but you know, and I'll, and I'll show you the screenshot here, which you're correct. He should have thrown that ball to Taysom. But when you look at it and you can say, okay, was this run correctly? And I'll, I'll close this out. I'll, I'll lose the overlay so you can see it. So yes, this ball is there to be thrown, right? Like you can see that you can make this throw. Like that's going to come open, but you have to, like I've seen people have sent me this screenshot over and over again. And what you need to understand, and I'm not trying to vindicate Derek Carr here. I think Derek Carr has been a big problem, but he's not looking at this from the ceiling. He's looking at this and seeing way too many defenders in that area for what this play is supposed to be, right? You're seeing a defender that's not carried upfield as far as he should be. And he's looking back at the quarterback. You're seeing a linebacker still sitting in coverage, which, you know, the way you, you can make this throw, but you probably have to lead it upfield a little farther. Like you can't just make that throw on a line or that linebacker is going to step in front of it. And so that's why when you're talking about the clear out not being done effectively, it's because if you did try to loft it over that linebacker and let it to a far upfield, you're going to bring the ball directly into where that defensive back is still looking at it. And he, you know, maybe you, you probably could make that throw. You probably should make that throw at the NFL level. But the fact of the matter is the clear out was not run the right way. And that's what Derek Carr is reacting to and throwing it away. Now, I'm not telling you that's the right thing to do. I'm just telling you that's what he's looking at. And that's the decision he's making. And, you know, fine. If you don't think you can make that throw, keep in mind, he's already thrown a pick six in this game, trying to squeeze a ball in. Right. So I can understand the idea that, like that's a tight window. It's third down deep in your own territory. Another pick six does end the game. So Sure. That's a, that's more dangerous of a throw than you wanted it to be. Let's say I think we can all agree on that that it should have been a safer throw than it was, and that's what Derek's reacting to. But what he doesn't do is say, "Okay, it's not there. Why don't I look to to Rashid? Okay, he's probably covered here. But then you have Mike Thomas. I'm sorry, this is Rashid. He's probably covered here. You have defender, but you have Mike Thomas coming in wide open on the backside little post here. And so why aren't you going there? Why are you bailing on this play? At that point, I don't know. And to me, that's the bigger issue. And to me, him coming off the field and instead of just going over to Chris Olave and and saying, hey, you can't do that. Like, and I get it. This is something that's been happening and there's frustration there. You want to know a quick way to, to, to get your, your receivers to not be on your side? To embarrass them on national television. Why do you think Mike Thomas feels the need to come out and defend his teammate on social media because he's getting berated on national television. And that's not what your quarterback is supposed to do. That's not like, and again, if you were performing at such a high level that the only reason some of these plays don't work is that your receivers are letting you down. That's one thing. That's not what's happening. If you go and you look at any of these breakdowns of, of Derek Carr's play, you'll see mistake after mistake after mistake, mistakes that you would expect out of a young player, not a 10 year veteran, not a guy who you know, you brought in to lead this group at a higher level, right? You are getting nothing out of Derek Carr right now that you could not be getting out of Jameis Winston for a 10th of the price. And that's the problem. That's where this team is frustrating to watch because you made all of these decisions. You made 
these bold proclamations that this was going to be the offense and this was the guy that you needed to lead it. Well, right now, it looks like your offense has taken a step back and there is no one at fault for that more than the quarterback. And you can say it's Pete Carmichael. You can say it's Dennis Allen. You can say it's whatever. Your quarterback is not playing at an NFL level right now. No, it's hard to defend Derek Carr in any way. And man, this the the tweet that you know Mike T puts out there, and we kind of discussed it a little too previous. Whether he meant to or not, that really it just it roasts Carr in that situation. Well, and it just and I think it shows you like the state of this locker room right now, which I don't think you know. It's like you, you, I think we talked about this last time, and it's like you got to there. There are going to be cracks throughout the course of the season in terms of, you know, this is the coaching staff's job. It's like you, you have things that develop and you, you take it, you make sure you fix them or you, you get out in front of them and you, you keep everyone pulling in the same direction. And I think that's when you start to see, st- and, and, and like I've said this, like people will assume, Oh, the locker room is falling apart. DA is losing the locker room, whatever. It's not that hard to spot when it actually happens. And when it happens, it's stuff like this that leaks out where you're just like, well, how did that happen? How was the coaching staff not out ahead of this? Why does Michael Thomas feel like he has to go out on social media and correct narratives about his young teammate who's getting roasted because his quarterback screamed at him on national television and forced everyone to take a closer look at exactly what happened on that play. Like there's questions to be asked about like the quality of the play, but there's also questions to be asked about the quality of the leadership that's going on in this locker room. And right now I don't think it's good enough. And Derek Carr needs to seriously look himself in the mirror and say, I haven't been good enough. It's not about the the second year wide receiver, not running his routes exactly like I want them to now. Yes. And like I said, in the last segment, it's not, one thing. It's never just one thing. There's always a number of things that go into an offense not being successful, a team not being successful. It's not just, it's this guy's fault. It's that guy's fault. It's how does everyone get on the same page? And what you saw in that game is not like the offense got moving and that's a good thing. And you can take some stuff out of that. You can put it into the the equation and say, okay, this worked. Do more of this, right? Run more, hurry up get Alvin the ball in space, run more screens, whatever. The offense needs to be a unit. And right now it's like Derek Carr's out there fighting with his receivers. <laughs> and you want to get, you want your teammates to play better, support them. Don't undermine them. And right now it just doesn't feel like that's happening. And so, you know, it's got to, I'm not saying this all to say it's over. You tear it down. But I think you're getting dangerously close to some to, to this locker room falling apart. And you got as a quarterback, as a coaching staff, you have to you have to fix that. You have to find ways to mend that. And like you you laughed, you joked last time about like, oh, maybe go out and have like a you know laser tag or mini golf or something. Like yeah. it's a joke, but at the same time, why do you think they go spearfishing in the offseason? Right? Like, why do you think they do that stuff? Like, if you are not if you are, if you don't feel like you're on the same team as your teammates, you're not going to play good football. And that's got to be something that you fix. No, and that's, that's the, the a huge concern that, you know, obviously we see w- with that explosion from Carr. Obviously, it wasn't just that one play. It was everything that had been built up to that one moment. And for whatever reason, that was when he decided to get triggered to the extent where he overreacted for sure. Um, I, I did say that I, I like the fact that I saw some emotion from the guy, but now it's turned into this, 
yeah, it's turned into a, a worse situation, I think, where it just makes his his leadership now a question for for this squad. And you got you know Olave's not happy with him. Now Mike T is, you know, going in the Twitter sphere making these comments, and it just doesn't feel very inspiring. <laughs> no, there's there's emotion, but there like you can have emotion, but there's there's healthy emotional outbursts and there's unhealthy emotional outbursts in terms of team health. And you're not getting those. And, you know, it's funny. You you sent this to me this morning, and Mike Freeman wrote a column about how there's a double standard when it comes to quarterbacking. And, you know, where where a white quarterback does that and doesn't get criticized, and a black quarterback does that and goes gets raked over the coals relentlessly. And, and I agree with it because that's true. If Jameis Winston had done that, you would never hear the end of it. Now, I, I don't think it's, it's fair in the sense that locally, I don't think that anyone's giving Derek Carr a pass. Like, I think Derek Carr is getting heavily criticized locally. And the question is, nationally, why isn't it louder in terms of people are criticizing Derek Carr's play, per se, but you don't hear a lot of people coming in and saying, like, well, where, where is the leadership here? Like, why is he berating his teammates on national television? And so I think that's kind of where you're at. Like, if that was Jameis... The, the talk show sphere, first take, all these folks, they'd be talking about nothing else. And so I agree. There is a double standard when it comes to that. But I don't think that that's necessarily the main issue in play here in how Derek Carr needs to improve as a leader. The funny thing is you look at it and I think, I think Derek Carr is very good at talking to the media. I think that he's... And when you are good in that, like that's part of being a quarterback. That's part of doing your job. And he's very good at it. He answers questions the right way. He strikes the right tone. But is he that good at communicating with his teammates and making sure that everyone is on hit, that everyone's on the same side, right? Or does he make them feel like they that like 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 they're the villain of the scenario whenever something goes wrong? And right now, I think that's how Chris Olave feels is that he's not things aren't going perfectly for him and and he's the the scapegoat of all of these problems. And and should he should he be held to a high standard because he's such a talented player? Yes, but it shouldn't be his quarterback who's making him feel that way. So I don't know. That's the end of my rant. I just had to get that out. It's like we we have our own little who needs reality television. We got our own soap opera going on right here. Well, it's just frustrating because it's like this is like yeah, you have a rookie quarterback and you expect things to happen and you expect them to learn on the job and be like that. This is not supposed to be that way with a 10 year veteran. You're supposed to understand kind of the finer points of leading a locker room. And again, he's really good in the media. So you would, you would listen to his press conferences and you would, and you're like, Oh, you know what? Okay. I think he, I think he's got it. But then you see what happens on the field and you're like, I don't think he's got it. And I hope I'm wrong. I'm hope, I hope he can turn things around. And I hope that this was just an aberration and he and Chris Olave can just sit and sit and play ping pong and, and 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 be like you know what my bad and and you know you're gonna play for each other because right now it, it doesn't feel that way and and Mike Thomas like Mike is doesn't do anything by accident Mike is a very calculated yeah. person that's why this tweet like blew me away exactly <laughs> and and so like you're like again when I, when people say oh he's losing a locker room blah 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 this and that this and that it's not that hard to spot and this was not hard to spot right. And yeah, so I, I think that's like Derek Carr needs to seri- needs to first of all grow up and be the thirty some odd year old person that he is and play like that, and also like like seriously look at his own game, his own performances, because there are a lot of throws in that game that were not on the receivers. There are a lot of reads in that game that were not on the receivers that did not get made, 
and so if for this team to get better, Derek Carr has got to be better. And his teammates have to be better too. But it starts with the quarterback. It starts with the guy who has the ball in his hands on every play. And so hopefully that could be the case. Yeah, like to me, like I said, I get the passion coming from Carr. Was it displayed improperly, I guess, because initially I didn't take it as such a bad look. Uh, But going back and looking at it more, I guess, you know, you say temper tantrum and it kind of did look like very huffy puffy. uh, I'm going to take my ball and head to the sideline and I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm mad kind of thing. Well, especially because like you could argue that he made worse mistakes on that play than than Chris did. Like, it's not like that play was dead because Chris didn't run full speed. It was made more difficult because Chris didn't run full speed, but he bailed on it. On right, third down. He, he just gave up on the play, right? On third down. It's not like this is first down in midfield where it's like, yeah, I just don't want to make a dangerous throw, so I'll live to play another down. They punt it. And granted, that was Lou Hedzley's best punt of his life because <laughs> it was the 62-yard punt. Lou. Yeah, it, that's another story. What a great, it, and get, like, There's a lot of things that are going wrong in this team. Let's put it that yeah. way. But, but the reason that everyone has spent the last three days, the last four days, talking about that specific play is yeah. because of what Derek Carr did. And so, like, I, I, I've said it so many ways, I'm just repeating myself. It's like, it got to be better. And so, hopefully he is. Hopefully this team kind of sees that as the the issue that it is and fixes it. No, and, you, well, you mentioned he's good at talking to the media. It'll be interesting, obviously, his Wednesday availability to see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully he's as good he, he's good talking to his teammates as he is to the beat. That's the thought to say. But all right, let's wrap up that segment. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. And that's Steve Geller WWL. We're going to come back. We're going to kind of reset uh, what's what the Saints are looking at over the final 10 games this season and kind of talk about, like, you know, this like there's a lot of mid-football teams out there. Um, and this that's one thing that was a benefit of this weekend was I got to – appreciate that a bit more watching all these games in real time (laughs) and watching the commanders flail about as the giants tried to give them that game and and whatnot but all right this is inside black and gold thanks everyone for listening we will be right back inside black and gold we're gonna stop ranting for a little while and we're gonna look ahead and we're gonna see you know exactly where the saints are and and where they have to go first things first let's reset the nfc south in particular particular. surprise surprise yeah so one thing that's very clear is that this is going to be another season where who wants it who wants it because right now no one seems to want it um the bucks had a chance to kind of take command there Last this week, and they lost to the Falcons and looked bad doing it at home, sixteen to thirteen. You know, you talk about bad offense, right? The Saints are not the only team with an anemic offense right now. There's a lot of NFL teams with anemic offenses. The Panthers didn't play this week, but they only scored like they didn't score that many fewer points than they would have if they had played. <laughs> they're <laughs> they're all with six. Uh, the Saints are three and four. The Bucks are three and three. They're the only team, you know, so the Bucs have already had their bye. So they have a lot, they have a long way to go with no bye. And so, yeah, Falcons are four and three. They're in front of the division. They are the only winning team in the division right now. And I think that was the best case scenario for the Saints, just because the Saints have already lost to the Bucs. Right. And you want them to accrue as many losses as possible. 
the Saints have two games in hand against the Falcons. So, you know, you always want to err on the side of controlling your own destiny. Who knows? I I mean, why would you assume that the Saints are going to beat the Falcons? But, you know, that's that is the best case scenario that the Bucs lose to the Falcons so that you can go and beat the Falcons twice. And you still theoretically like if the Bucs were two games ahead of you and then you beat them, you would still only you know what I mean? So I think for, for, for the purposes of where they are, even though they've lost two in a row, they're still a half or a game out of first. Yeah, for a while it looked like, wow, this this Falcons Bucks game really could end up in a tie, but in the end the Falcons pulled it out. Um really the the Bucks really don't look impressive in anything and it's amazing that they were able to come into New Orleans and really on both sides push push the Saints around. That was that was definitely uh one of those performances that I I couldn't fathom. Yeah, well I mean, you know who else hasn't looked perform- uh, impressive is the Saints. Um but I mean, you look around, like, look at the NFC in particular. So you have the Cowboys at four and two. Like, and, and I think we've said this is there's only like three dominant teams in the NFL right now. The rest are all mid to upper mid to lower mid to bad. The Eagles and the 49ers in the NFC are those two teams. On the AFC side, the Chiefs, and maybe you could make an argument for somebody else. But right now, I don't really care about the AFC. I'm more, more, more looking at the NFC. I would have said the Lions until they went out and got destroyed by the Ravens. And so I think that, you know, you start right, to question them a little bit. It wasn't even like, yeah, like you said, a close game. They were just, from the from the beginning to the end, they just got mopped up. They got annihilated. And the Lamar Ravens are Jack, another one of those yeah, weird Jack. team. Yeah. Jameer Gibbs had a good game, so that at least justified my fantasy pick. But, yeah, so, I mean, I think the Lions are probably right outside that group right now. And I think that that game kind of showed you – how and you know that that they still have a little ways to go before you can reliably say like yeah they're in a, they're a Super Bowl. They've contender. arrived, but you know they're they're definitely a playoff team, especially when you look at the state of the NFC North. Uh, and I think that's kind of like yeah they're five and one, but look at their division: Vikings two and four, Packers two and four, Bears two and five. So, you know, like they're gonna they're gonna waltz into the playoffs, and so it's a mat for them. It's a matter of being at the top end, like being peaking at the right time. But you know so. Seahawks four and two, eh. Rams three and four, eh. Cardinals one and six. They're in the bad category, right? Uh, we talked about the rest of the NFC North. I don't think any of them are going to be really a content, really a, in the conversation for a wild card, unless one of maybe the Vikings kind of turn things around. And then you have, you know, like when you look at the NFC North, the NFC South looks dominating, right? <laughs> the Bucks are three and three, three and four. So I mean, realistically speaking. Everything is in front of them in terms of the Saints. And I know that's so annoying, and I hate the fact that I just said that out loud. But it, that's, what, that's what's made, made last year so frustrating. That's what's going to make this year so frustrating if you can't get things sorted out is there's nothing stopping you. It's not a mountain in front of you. It's like, it's like a stepladder. And all you got to do is like not kick yourself in the face as you're trying to step on top of it. And right now, <laughs> that's what they've done. No, and like you were saying, it's – there's still so much in front of you. And even this week, the Saints, they'll, they'll wrap up. This will be the last time they play an AFC opponent from here on out. Then, you know, you get into the real nitty-gritty of all NFC teams, heavy duty more into NFC South opponents. So, yeah, there's there's a, far from anything has been decided yet. Yeah, their last nine games are against NFC teams. So they're one and two in the NFC right now. They beat the Panthers. They lost to the Bucks and the excuse me, and the Packers. So, yes, in the sense that 
you know, best case scenario is you get things sorted out. And so just like last year, you win a good number of games down the stretch of the season. And those will be NFC games, which will help you in terms of tiebreakers, divisional. You know, you still have five division games left. I'm sorry. Yeah, five division games left. No, no, I'm sorry. Four. You have one against the Panthers, one against the Bucks, two against the Falcons. Um, right. And so, like, you're one and one in the division. You're still right there. And you should feel like you have a good chance to to move forward. You just got to win some freaking games. But and, and you look at like you, you want to say the Saints are alone. Saints are not alone in having really awkward questions as it pertains to a team that you feel like should be better than it is. The Bills are four and three. They should be three and four. And they just lost to that team that the Saints blew out 34 to nothing. <laughs> like they lost to the Patriots. They was on the road, but still. Did that Patriots team look like it was ready to beat anybody three weeks ago? No. So, you know, that's that's not endearing to them. They also should have lost to the Giants with Tyrod Taylor. They had to survive right. by the skin of their teeth and an uncalled penalty with the Giants at the one yard line trying to go ahead for a game tie, a game winning score. Um, so, yeah, that's not what you want to do. The, the Chargers, another team that inexplicably will not talk about its head coach, uh, despite how ha- they have the quarterback. They have Justin Herbert and they still can't get out of their own way. They're two and four. The Broncos, two and five, you know, that's the Saints are probably kind of bummed that they actually won this week. You know, the NFC, AFC North is interesting. I think the Steelers are a, a complete fraud at four and two. They, they are negative 24 in a point differential. Ugh. They're four and two. Somehow, in the two games they've lost, they have been, they have allowed more points than like the games they won. The four games they won, like the difference. It, how does that happen anyway? Uh, someone asked the Vikings, but yeah. So, I mean, there's not a lot of good teams in the NFL right now. And so if you're looking for a silver lining in terms of like, it's a race to get better. It's all people say that and it's true. It's a race to get better. And the saints should feel like they have a good chance to do that. Right? Like you just got to get out of your own way and, and play decent football and hopefully they can do that. But the, let's the, a- the AFC South has been a, a pain in the ass this year. Um, and we just have the Colts left to deal with. But, man, not, none of the games, Titans, Texans, Jaguars, were, were easy at all. No, and the Titans are bad, which, you know, now in hindsight, it's like, man, that that 16-15 to 15 win or whatever it was looks a little less uh, encouraging it, it, with the benefit of hindsight. But, you know, so let's look at the, the remaining games, right? So there's 10 games left. The Saints are 3-4. and four. The, ra- the, the, the number that you have to get to, to, I think, get into the playoffs without, you know, heartburn and waiting and hoping that teams help you out is 10. I think if you get to 10 wins, then you can sit there and, and be comfortable. Probably nine wins if we're being honest, but you know, we, we saw what happened at nine and eight a few years ago. If you leave yourself at nine and eight, then you deserve what happens. <laughs> Whatever happens to you, you earned it. Um, right. Double digits you should be in. Yeah. 10, 10 wins. I think, you know, something crazy would have to happen, especially with the extra wild card. It was a little harder a few years back when you only had two wild cards. Now with three, there's only so many wins to get to get. So you should be able to get in. So how to get how do you get there from here? Well, you would have to go seven and three the rest of the way. And that sounds daunting. Oof. Yes, it does. Um, cons- and and it, that's the one thing about playing on Thursday. When you win, that 10 days off feels great. When you lose, <laughs> that is a long time to stew on some bad football, to chew on yeah. that, to, to, on that gristle that's not going to go down no matter how hard you try. You know, you just got to feed it to the dog and move on to the rest of the steak. Anyway. That analogy is weird, but I think it works. Um, so, so how do you get there? How do you get to ten wins? Well, you got to win. You know, you, you got you got very winnable games coming up, and you got a bye week in week eleven. You got three weeks and then a bye. 
So you're three and four. I think I think you got to win all three. Personally, I think you could survive at with two and one. One and two is absolutely unacceptable. So yeah, you know, can't I, do it. I think you you should go three and three in these matchups with the with the Vikings being kind of a wild card in terms of the Saints have always kind of struggled against the Vikings since Kirk Cousins has been there. Justin Jefferson theoretically could be back. That would oh, be the really? first game. Yeah, he's on IR, but that would be week the fifth week out. So he could theoretically be back for that game. I don't know if he will, but it's hard to gauge right now. And even if he does get back, that would be his first game back, probably on a pitch count of some kind. Uh, so, I mean, either way, the Vikings are not good. So you're going to face the Colts, Gardner Minshew, a guy that I think the Saints feel pretty confident against. He, he, like Every time the Saints face him, it seems like the week before he dominated and then they show up and he just can't do anything. Uh, like the Saints yeah. have probably single-handedly. He got a good game out the system before the Saints. Well, I think the Saints have per- single-handedly been the reason that he has not gotten a starting job. <laughs> like Minshew Mania has been squashed. Well, you know, I think I like Bobby calls him Uncle Rico, and I feel like that's pretty solid uh, in terms of like I can throw a ball over the mountains. But you know, like like in 2019, he was the talk of the town. Everyone loved him. And then they showed up in Jacksonville and won 13 to six with Teddy Bridgewater. And he looked (laughs) terrible. And then it was just like, you know what? He's probably not the guy. And they move on. They eventually get Trevor Lawrence and the rest, you know, it it is what it is. Go to 2022. And he goes out there and fills in for Jalen Hurts and, you know, is blowing it up, you know, against the Cowboys. I think they lost that game like 38 to 33, something like that. But but he was on fire. And then the Saints show up the next week and win Not twenty so to ten in Philly with Andy Dalton at quarterback in a game that they kind of wanted to win because it would have clinched the division had they won. And instead, they had to go out the next week and try to win again. And so you couldn't rest anybody. Um, and and you know then everyone's like, oh wait, yeah, that's the Gardner Minshew we know, the one that the Saints play. Um, and so yeah, they hope they should be able to do that again, right? Sometimes you just you just match up well against a certain quarterback. It's the inverse of Lamar Jackson, where like some teams just cannot handle him. And I think, you know, the, the Lions figured that out this week. Um, but you should be able to win that game, right? Hopefully Lattimore can get another pick six. Hopefully. Um, then you had the Bears, Tyson Bagent. Man, come on. Come I, on. I mean, like he looked good against the Ra- I, I actually don't know. I'm making that up. I didn't watch the game against the Raiders, but they did blow out the Raiders. So he, he couldn't have played terribly in terms of, you know, if he's doing what Brock Purdy is doing for the 49ers, which is, you know, not getting in the way of success, then that's good for a rookie. Right. So I don't I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time watching Tyson Bajan until he's the guy on the docket. <laughs> um, but either way, Bears are bad. Backup quarterback. The guy I was worried about was Justin Fields, because I think yeah, the Saints absolutely. have had a lot of problems with Justin Fields. <laughs> and like I'm sure Tyson Bajan is is playing fine. You can't lose to Tyson Bajan. You can't. So you got to win that game. Then the then the Vikings. I'd like to think you could go up to Minnesota and win that game. If you win those first two games and you lose in Minnesota, I can live with it. But that is the minimum. You got to go two and one, ideally three and zero. Oh. And if you can do that, you go into the bye and you look at the back end of it. And so you know you looked at seven and three to get to 10 wins now you just need four and three over your final seven games and that feels doable so i think that what they do over this next stretch of games is massive it is massive and if you can't win these games against backups just pack it in 
I was going to say, yeah, if you can't beat Minshew or uh, the kid from in Chicago, forget it. Tyson Bagent from Shepard. Bagent. Saw him at the Senior Bowl. Aha, another another product from the Senior Bowl in the NFL. Yeah, made in Mobile. Um, but yeah, so well, then the you come out. You come uh, out what of the you call Ronald Curry should know him well. Yeah, he should. That's true. That's the point. <laughs> um, so yeah, and and so then so if you can win those three games, which I I mean that's a pretty big ask considering what we have watched the last two weeks. But if you can win those three games, then you come out of that and you can afford three losses the rest of the way. And so where are those losses, right? So despite what I said about the Lions, I think the Lions are still good. I don't know how top end good they are in terms of how they'd match up against the Eagles and the 49ers. But I think that they are going to be a team that beats up on some of the bottom feeders. And right now the saints feel like something of a bottom feeder. Uh, and they're like the saints are the team that should beat the bad teams. And the lions are the team that should beat the, the teams that beat the bad teams. Does that make sense? The, the lines in the trenches are scary offense and defensive line. They can run the ball. Yeah. They didn't have David Montgomery this week. And I think that's a big part of why they were unable to sustain offense, but it, the, the offense was only part of the problem. Right. Um, Cause they couldn't stop Lamar ever, but so I can bake in a loss to the Lions and feel okay about it. I can bake in a loss to the Rams on Thursday night football in LA and call that a schedule loss. Now it's not, not because I think the Rams are fantastic, although they are, I think they're playing better than a lot of people expected given the state of their roster. Uh, Puka Nakua is apparently the truth. I don't know. Like Matt Stafford is the kingmaker for wide receivers, but although, you know, well, Stafford's I'm surprisingly not having that great of a season. I, I I'd be lying if I told you I followed the Rams that closely, but they're three and four. And I think that's going to be a really tough game for the saints to go out West and win on a short week. So plus it's a damn Rams. Yeah. And, and the Rams are always play the saints tough, except for last year, but obviously Stafford got hurt midway through that game. And once that happened, it was over. But so I'm willing to bake that in as a loss and say that that's just a schedule loss. And so that's your second one. And well, then I'd say probably, me. And then I'd say probably at the Falcons is going to be a tough one to win. Although you are coming out of the bye and getting right. that game. So if you tell me they lose one of the games to the Falcons, then I think you, like that's your, that can be your third loss. And I feel okay about it. It's tough to sweep the division. You know, the Falcons are not a bad team. Saints should feel like they match up pretty well against them. They, they, they should be able to stop the run. Hopefully, B. John Robinson just keeps having headaches. And that's mean. I shouldn't say that. That's what happened this week. He apparently had headaches, and that's why he wasn't in, like ever touching the ball. But they won. So I guess they can't be too mad about he, it. He's not on my fantasy team, so I could care less about him. Yeah. Like, everyone was <laughs> mad about that. It's a hundred, like, it's such a stupid, like, like, well, why did the team tell the fans? Like, why would, why would the team tell the fans? Right. What is that? Why would that benefit them? So that the other team knew? No. You you have there's very few advantages in terms of guys getting hurt or not being able to compete at the last second, and it's not that the you let the other team know. <laughs> so it's just like people in fantasy football were like, "Well, screw you." Uh, I spent a first round pick on Bijan Robinson and got one carry for two yards. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if you want to bake in one of those losses and say like, "Okay, that means that you would need to beat the Falcons once." Beat you got to start cooking up some W's. Yeah, beat the Bucks in in Raymond James, which you might say, well, it's a road game. Wouldn't you feel better about the home game? No, I actually think the Saints play better at Raymond James than they play in New Orleans. Why? I don't know. But even last year, they, they should have won that game. They, they were playing terribly last year, but they still should have won that game. Uh, they won 38-3. to You know, they won 9 to nothing. Like, this team, for whatever reason, loves going to Tampa and playing. They're going to Florida. 
If they played more games in Florida, if they played Jacksonville in Florida, they would have blown them out. We're we're a, a Florida team. Apparently, every time they go to Florida, they win. Oh, except I mean, they should have won last year. They they didn't win in Tampa last year, but that that would be out. We don't need to talk about that. Um. So yeah. So win against the Bucks on the road. You host the Giants, a team that seems like they're starting to figure it out. But I'd like to think you can beat that team. I still uh, have nightmares from Saquon's last game in the dome. Right. That's that's the only reason. But that team, you know, it's funny. Uh, you can make a very valid argument that they should stay with Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> Absolutely. But they won't. That's, For the same reason the Saints aren't going to give up on Derek Carr. Isn't that crazy? Right. And maybe maybe Derek like kind of knew that. And he's like, shit, I can't, I can't sit down with that shoulder issue. I have to play. I don't know. But so there's a Giants. And then you have another game against the Panthers. So you should, I mean, no one should be losing to the Panthers. <laughs> you cannot bake in a loss to the Panthers at home. <laughs> you can't do you, that. You got to worry at that point is Andy Dalton in because that I'd worry more about him than Bryce Young. I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, so that's the, so in order to get to 10 wins, you would need to beat the Colts, the Bears, the Vikings, one of the games against the Falcons, the Panthers, the Giants, the Bucks on the road, and that's it. That's your seven wins. And that would include losses, one to the Falcons, one of the Rams, one of the Lions. So, like, you can get there. It's still a path. It's a daunting path, but, like, that's what we talked about all year is the schedule is not is not domineering. It's not daunting. Like, you should be able to win on some of these games, and you should be able to get on a run and get on a roll and play better. And, you know, maybe that's because they become the Chip Kelly Oregon offense where they just go tempo all the time. And I don't know, but I – that's it's the frustrating thing about the NFC South is almost like you almost wish that there was a seven and two team. So you wouldn't constantly be looking. It was like, well, if only they can win their next five games, they'll be there. And it's like, damn it. <laughs> There's still hope. Thanks to the NFC South being the NFC South. Well, and, and that's the annoying thing in terms of if you're one of these people that wishes that this team would make some more drastic decisions. <laughs> that's what prevents you from doing that because you you can't do that when you are in contention. You can't bail on that on a season where you win two games in a row and you're the favorite. And that's frustrating, but that's the reality. And you still have two games left against the current division leader. Yeah, and, and the Falcons are not exactly blowing anyone out of the water. No, it's a lot of... No good, terrible football we're in for. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is we just sent we just set up this whole schedule and we talked about the opponents that are coming up. But at the end of the day, to me, it's the Saints versus themselves. Like, I don't even care who's the opponent. I don't care who their quarterback is. If this team can't figure its own shit out, they're going to lose. Um, so you, you, you can't field goal a team to death? Well, the sad thing is you probably can in today's NFL. But if we make geez. them. Yeah, right. You'd need the field goals to go in for that to happen. But you know, that's all I got. Anything else you want to you want to hit before we go? No, man. I'm just uh, you know starting to think about Christmas gifts already, and I'm I'm hoping for a better offensive output just in general from this team. I can't I can't go into the uh, another year of depressing no foot no playoff football. We got to get to the postseason at least. Um, yeah, about playoffs, playoffs, double digits, man. I'm the 10 win train uh, playoffs. 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 I'm just trying to win a game. Playoffs. We're just trying to win a game. He was yeah. in the press box. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I feel like he's there a good bit. He does the post game for the Fox for the for the Fox. 
Yeah, I'm not. I wasn't sure if he, uh, if Jim Moore was at every uh, home game or not. But That's yeah, he was question. definitely there for this one. My gym, my my tracker that I put on him a few years ago stopped working, so I don't know why I lose. I don't know his whereabouts at, at most times. Anyway, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Thanks for commiserating with us. Hopefully, things you know turn around. It sure would be nice. It seems like so long ago that I that I was able to have fun in the second half of a Saints season because um, it has been because I don't even count COVID because nothing about that season was fun. We can't even we're not even happy about back to back 300 yard passing games. And that should be interesting. And it's like, meh. Right. If you had told me in like week two, be like, what if what if in week six and seven, Derek Carr has 600 something yards passing? You think you're going to be mad about it? And I'd be like, no, why? no, why, why would how I could that have possibly gone badly? And then right. It did. So, yeah, we'll we'll find out. But yeah, so we'll be back on Wednesday. We'll record on Wednesday, post an episode on Thursday, kind of previewing or looking at the the injury report and that comes out and kind of getting ready for what to expect in week eight. And on Friday, we'll have a preview with someone from the Colts universe. Not sure who it is yet, but we'll find someone, get a good preview at you. So as always, thanks everyone for listening. Make sure to subscribe. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noack. Let us know what you think on Apple Podcasts, whatever, review, rate, subscribe. Follow Steve at Steve Geller, WWL. Check out WWL.com for all the latest news, notes, analysis, all that good stuff. I've gotten really good at saying WWL real fast. Have you noticed? WW. WWL. WWW. dub in the tub on WWL. The trick is to just say WW. It's not... W-W-L. It's W-W-L. Like if you spelled it, it'd be like D-U-B-A-D-U-B-A-E-L-L-L. W-W-L. W-W-L. Yeah, but that just takes too long. I, you're always rushing against the clock, and you're like, I have three seconds. How do I say so fast? W-W-L. W-W-L. Okay, anyway, thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Inside Black and Gold. Who dat? Let's go. go thanks. Yeah. Peace, y'all. Be easy.